Welcome to OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This podcast is designed to help with your recovery from any mental issue you are up against. The show strives to give you information that really, for real, works. The podcast interviews real people that have recovered or are managing their mental health. We also talk to people that offer suggestions and coping mechanisms you may want to try. Bob Adelman, the host of OTR, shares his 50 years of struggles with mental illness and the techniques of recovery. He is still on his journey, as you can hear in the episode, called Perfect Storm Fighting Demons. So, help him fight this monster called mental illness and the stigma that goes with it. Okay. Welcome to OTR. This is Bob Adelman. Today we have a very special episode. Um, we have our very first YouTube episode. Dr. Gigi Langer does an excellent job explaining the four strategies of worrying less. But I think it also applies to anxiety, depression, and addiction. So it'll be a very informative show today. I don't do much talking because she's presenting these four strategies. And that takes long enough. So it's about 45 minutes. It's an excellent show if you just take everything in it and apply it to your life. Your life would get better. So if people have YouTube, I think that's most of the people in the U.S., please click the link that's in the description, or you might have to cut and paste it, and go to my channel that has the video of Dr. Gigi Langer and myself. Once you see my picture, you may run away screaming, but it's okay. I don't, I don't go on too long. All right, so... What can I say? I think this episode is terrific, and it's informative, and if you apply it, it's going to help you. So I did record the audio, and that's going to be in this podcast, but I really recommend you going to YouTube to look at it. It's great. Also, if you do go to YouTube, please, please subscribe to my channel. There's no obligation. You don't have to do anything. It'll just indicate to me that we can make more videos, that you guys like it, and we should try to make more YouTube videos. All right. I don't know. Maybe I just won't talk in any of them, and it'll be good. But here it is, the first YouTube episode on audio. Hello, everybody. This is Bob Adelman. Uh, how you doing? You, you got to see me instead of just hearing me. Uh, this is experimental. Today's show is going to be about worrying less. It's something I needed about 10 minutes ago. This is uh, Bob Adelman, like I said, and it's Dr. Gigi Langer. She wrote the book, 50 Ways to Worry Less Now. I had two episodes with her. Um, they were both very good, well-received. She did a great job. So now what she's going to do, she's going to go through the strategies 
of worrying less, which goes along with the 50 ways of worrying less. Right on. Okay, you you have the floor. Oh, thank you, Bob. Thanks so much. And thank for you for coming. Me. I just wanted to say that. Oh, thanks. It's my pleasure. Okay. I'm always glad to share, and we've we've talked before, and uh, um, always enjoyed talking with you. So thank you so oh, thank much. You. Well, so I'm the former queen of worry, G.G. <laughs> Langer, and I wrote a book about it because. Um, it seemed like no matter what I did, even after 20 some years of sobriety, I still had a thinking problem. And I had been to therapy and, and so on. And um, and it wasn't so much that I couldn't stop myself from worrying because I did learn how to do that. And so that's why I wrote the book. I wanted to share the ways that I've discovered on how to worry less. And I thought I'd start by asking us to think about, you know, why do we want to worry less? Okay. Um, and for me, I think one of the reasons is um, I wanted to feel better. I didn't want to be a bundle of nerves, a bundle of anxiety, thinking, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? I wanted peace of mind. And I didn't want to be this... Uh, you know, they shouldn't have done this. What if I should have done that? And it could have, you know, all that second guessing and worry and so on. I really just wanted to feel better. So, and I wanted to feel better without having to use alcohol or drugs or overeating or codependency, which were many of the ways that I dealt with my own anxiety and worry. So, you know, it was kind of, uh, for a long time, that's how I dealt with my worry. I didn't know that I could use particular strategies and tools to uh, think differently and to be more uh, calm and not so worried. So that's one reason. We want peace of mind, of course. Um, another promise I make in my book is for clarity. And by that, I mean that if we're worrying less and we're less anxious and we're less fearful and we're less judging and we take things less personally, then we are our hearts, in a way, are more open because they're not clogged up. Our, our loving mechanism isn't clogged up with all these resentments and negative thoughts and so on. So. Um, because our heart is clearer when we worry less, we have a better connection with an inner wisdom or a higher power, however we think of that, a higher self. But it's a source of good, uh, some call it good orderly direction, uh, a source of um, help, a source of comfort. So there's that clarity piece. For me, one way it manifested was I had no idea I wanted to write a book. And because I kept working on reducing my fears and anxiety, I cleared up enough of my heart that this desire came through to write a book. <laughs> Never knew I had that desire. So I had that sense of clarity uh, to be able to realize my dreams, pursue my dreams, and the courage. And the third promise, besides peace of mind and clarity, is connection. 
Um, I think most of us might say that our relationships with other loved ones can be the most challenging aspect in our lives. It certainly was for me before I discovered how to um, operate from a more peaceful, clear place in myself. So when our hearts are all clogged up with worry and fear, you know, for me, I started pretending to be a person that they wanted me to be. And I didn't know how to deal with conflict because I didn't allow myself to know what I, I didn't allow myself to ask my partner for what I needed and so on. So um, I basically was operating out of a kind of a victim mentality of, you know, ooh, I'm going to get hurt. Don't take a risk. Pretend to be what they want me, you know, they want me to be. And that's a real relationship killer because there's no um, authenticity and honesty to those relationships. And so it's no wonder that I was facing my third divorce when I stopped drinking and using alcohol. So, um, you know, if we want harmonious relationships and that sense of connection with our friends and family, then then we really do want to overcome worry. So in the book, I structured it. There are four what I call life strategies or main strategies for uh, achieving this um, peace of mind, clarity, and connection. And and basically, there are four big ways of saying, okay, I'm going to live with less fear and anxiety and need to control in my life. So the very first one um, is honesty. And, you know, you might say, and a lot of us might say, oh, I'm, I'm an honest person. I pay my bills. I do this. Uh, what I'm talking about is self-honesty. And uh, the opening to this chapter, there's one chapter for each of the four life strategies. I love this quote. Lying to ourselves is more deeply ingrained than lying to others. That's Dostoevsky. So why do we lie to ourselves? Well, in my case, I, I grew up in a family with a high-functioning alcoholic father where my mother was worried a lot of the time. I was the youngest of four, so things, you know, were not exactly super emotionally nurturing for me in my home. And I spawned my first whispered lie, which is, this term whispered lie is a theme that goes throughout the book because what we do is we tell ourselves little lies that we believe. And many of these whispered lies were learned from parents or siblings or um, destructive or uh, negligence or it could be uh, abuse or it could even be as an adult a, um, a partner or loved one who was abusive. But anyway, they, they sound like this. Um, I don't deserve love. I'm only worthwhile if I get good grades. I'm nothing without a man. Uh, people must like me or I'm going to shrivel up and die. So they, these whispered lies are learned and they, and they get into our neurocognitive system and they play like a broken record. Um, one of ones my dad said to me is, Gigi, how can you be so goddamn dumb when I would make a mistake? 
And boy, that one lodged in there, too. So, of course, I got as many degrees as I could and <laughs> wanted to show, I don't know who, everyone, that I was smart. Um, so part of unpacking the whispered lies is getting honest with ourselves. And that might start out just, wow, when I'm anxious or upset about something, I tend to drink more or I tend to go online and get absorbed in that instead of honestly admitting to myself how I'm feeling and then honestly going further to find um, help or a way to cope with my feelings. Because if we deny how we're feeling or we just cover it up and numb it, then we have no chance of changing these whispered lies that are really you know, building total fear. I'm a victim of the world. You know, it's a, it's a really awful place to live. So, and by honesty, I don't mean saying, oh, yeah, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, so I'm a perfectionist, and then stopping there. I think that's a beginning point, but it isn't uh, the whole story, because that's kind of playing the blame game. What I like to uh, say is, and I didn't invent this, but um, I'm not responsible for what happened to me. I'm not responsible for what happened to me in my childhood. And I am responsible for healing those things that are now interfering with my happiness. Old patterns that I learned, like those whispered lies. So the honesty, I think, is a very uh, important primary strategy. Um, another one, the second one is power, because uh, you can tell I have a, a grounding in 12-step programs, but um, I've expanded this idea of a, a higher power to um, include even your, your true higher self, your own internal pure goodness and wisdom. It could be a God figure or a God consciousness or the universe. Uh, but it, it needs to be something that when my mind and intellect trying to figure something out and solve it fails me, I can kind of throw in the towel and say, oh, there is another way. I could rely on this power to bring me the right people to say what might be helpful to me, to bring me the right resources, to shift things in a mysterious way that I don't think any of us totally understands, um, but it's a, it's the opposite of I shall manage this myself. I have to control this myself so it can be the way I want it so I can be happy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when we're running on self-will, we tend to kind of uh, create worst problems. An illustration might be uh, after 30 years, my husband had been sober for 30 years. We'd been married for about 20 and he started drinking again and I was still sober and uh, I was terrified. Thank God I had 20 years of recovery behind me because then I was able to say to myself, okay, I've remained sober all this time. Uh, these miracles have happened in my life. This has happened. And 
this situation too will be improved in some way that I can't see right now, but I have to stop trying to control it. So in that case, I went to Al-Anon and they really helped me. Uh, and over time, you know, we had confrontations and so on. I didn't see him drink alcoholically uh, more than one time. And just to finish that story, after I prayed my ass off, I had a conversation with him so that I wouldn't be operating out of um, panic. Because I think when we are not in a peaceful place or centered in a, a higher power or a, our true selves, uh, we have no business messing with relationships in terms of talks and trying to fix things. We have to find our own center and and know that I'm okay no matter what happens in this situation. I would hate it if it went, you know, the wrong way, but I can live through it and I have support behind me. So it turned out that he could have two drinks, no more, no less. His drug of choice used to be cocaine. And so now he's a social drinker and it doesn't bother me at all. And that's uh, um, an illustration, you know, where I had to be honest with myself that I was uh, – Part of what bothered me about his drinking was I had the whispered lie, all men are like my father and they hurt women. And when Peter started drinking again, that old whispered lie said, oh, my God, this man that I thought I could trust is just like my father. And I had to work through that whole uh, resentment, really, that I had toward my father for hurting my mother and thinking that Peter was going to be like him. Uh, so that would be an example of the honesty part and the power, of course, was connecting with other people and hope and uh, my own higher power. Um, so the third strategy then is choices. So here's where we say I'm not a victim of what's going on. I have a desired future that I'm going to write down and name. So in that case, it was I am happy in my marriage. I didn't say Peter isn't drinking. I didn't dictate how the details would look um, to the universe the, and myself. I, I left wiggle room for the miracles to happen. So in the case of Peter's drinking, when I was in the middle of the struggle, I had um, thank you I say thank you, higher power, because I believe in that, but you don't have to. Um, it's really the science of affirmations and positive thinking. So I had, thank you, God, for my happy, relaxed marriage. And that was the affirmation. That was the choice I made to put out to the universe my desired reality, to claim a power that could get me out of feeling stuck. Uh, in addition to the affirmation, I made a vision board, which all the directions for these things are in my book, and I'll get back to more of the strategies in a minute. But these are the four big building blocks. So at the choice point, you know, I make an affirmation. I made a vision board. So I had a picture, a laminated thing about this big, and it had a picture of a couple smiling and happy and a wedding ring. and. Um, some cut-out words, happiness, uh, relaxed, and so on. So images that illustrated to me that intention that I had set. And 
there's a third element to this choice factor, and that is um, referred. I referred to it a minute ago, not getting so specific that we're painting um, God in a corner, like that it can only look one way or I won't be happy, you know, to leave a little room for the magic. So quite often I would say, um, you know, thank you, God, for my happy and relaxed marriage as you see fit or in the best way for all involved. So we add that language at the end to open it up a little bit. So that's where we make the choices. But of course, still, we could have affirmations and still go along allowing myself to worry and allowing myself to fret and talk about it constantly with people. And that's what we call living in the problem rather than living in the solution. Now, you might think the solution is going to be found through your head, but that isn't, in my experience, the way it really works. It might eventually dawn on my head, but if I use my brain to try to intellectualize and figure out, and he grew up in this kind of family, and this is why he's doing that, and if only I do this, those are just failed attempts to control the situation, which means that I really haven't done the second part of that where I bring in a power greater than my fear. So this is where we work our ass off. <laughs> so the fourth one is practice. Practice, practice, practice with tools. And I have 50 different tools in the book. So we get honest with ourselves about how we're thinking and feeling about the situation. We claim a power greater than our fear. We make choices and set intentions for how we want our lives to be. And we use growth practices to these 50 tools. You can choose whichever ones you want to um, actually change how we're thinking and feeling. So there are 50 tools in the book. And it's kind of interesting because when I say don't live in the problem but live in the solution, I mean that the solution is found through using the tools. Now, the tools are in uh, three different categories. Uh, you might have guessed that one of them is the spiritual realm, saying the serenity prayer, praying. Those are spiritual tools, and there are many of them. So we have some of those in the book and directions for how to use them. Another one is cognitive a section of cognitive tools um, like the brain reprogramming and neuroplasticity and the neural networks. And so some of the tools fall into that category. And then other ones are energetic tools um, that are very mysterious, but I have to say I've experienced all of them that are in the book, every single thing in the book I've experienced. And I've included a little bit of research on it that shows that it is backed up by good science. Um, so the energy work uh, might include something you've heard of like Reiki uh, or, or tapping therapy. So I'll, I'll talk about some of these more, but I wanted to mention the number one mega tool to worry less and lower your anxiety is mindfulness meditation. So 
you don't have to scurry around and look for meditation that says mindfulness <laughs> because meditation in and of itself, when even 10 minutes regularly, maybe you only get it three or four times a week. It has been shown by the University of Massachusetts Medical Center, who has been using mindfulness meditation since the 90s on their patients who couldn't uh, kick their chronic pain or who kept having repetitive disease. And they were kind of like uh, the traditional medical community kind of gave up on them and sent them to John Cabot-Zinn, a doctor there, who created this mindfulness-based stress reduction program. And I took the course. It's an eight-week course on how to um, relax and change your thinking. And it really is learning how to meditate. And they included some um, yoga kind of stretching, too. I took that course. It was uh, two hours every two weeks in person in 2015 because I had a lot of stress. My mother had just passed away. I had a book contract that I was struggling to finish. And so I took the course and I found it very helpful too. But here's what's impressive. Because they're in a medical setting, they did extensive research on the people that they've had go through the mindfulness-based stress reduction program. And in later years, they've been able to do these brain scans where you can see how big a part of the brain is before and after a certain intervention. Well, the people who were doing mindfulness-based stress reduction, the part of the brain that's responsible for fear and fight and flight uh, got smaller among the people who were doing the mindfulness meditation. That, to me, is very persuasive. Uh, so why do we think meditation works? Well, my primary observation for myself and many people I've worked with is if I just stick with the first thoughts that my brain produces, which is, oh, no, what if this happens to my husband? Oh, what about my children? Oh, dear, I'm feeling this pain. Um, I never should have done that. Um, the, the government shouldn't do that. Notice that a lot of our whispered lies have sh the word should in them. <laughs> Some people say we're shooting all over ourselves. But if those thoughts just go on and on unchecked, even if I'm not aware of them, I'm going to need to somehow dull the pain of them. Uh, and that's not the healthiest way to go about working with those thoughts because when I was using drugs and alcohol and sex to not feel, I um, I kind of robbed myself of the opportunity to learn how to heal or learn how to deal with unpleasant feelings and thoughts. So back to meditation. Meditation teaches us to notice our thoughts, but not let them carry us away. So it's like, oh, there's a thought about so-and-so. And then you learn to just let it go on like it's floating down a stream. Then you think about instead the focus that you're trying to get your mind to stick with. 
So it might be breathing. That's a very common one. Or it could be an image or it could be a mantra. But the way it works is, okay, I'm sitting here trying to meditate. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to focus on my breathing, but I notice myself thinking about so and so. And I pat myself on the back for noticing that I'm thinking about this thing. And then I let the thought go past. I don't stick with it. And I return my focus to breathing. Well, my mind's default setting is worry, right? So it goes back to the worry thought or whatever thought. And instead of jumping on that boat and getting all entangled with that thought, I just notice it. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking about my kitty who needs surgery. Boom, it just goes past and I restore my attention to uh, breathing in this case. So a person repeats the process for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. But here's what's surprising. Most people say, oh, I can't meditate because I can't empty my mind of thoughts. I think about it this way. It's not that my goal is to empty my mind. My goal is to notice when I have a thought, any thought, and if I I'm working on just accepting my thoughts. I just let it go past. And if it has the potential to try to grab my attention, because I'm practicing focusing instead on breathing, for example, I am getting practice at noticing my thinking and redirecting my thoughts and my mind. So almost every strategy I suggest (laughs) starts with first noticing that I'm worried or upset. And then for the example of um, the tool called, well, journaling is a tool that many people use. But if I'm in wanting to get more honest, because I tend to kind of, and I I can still do this and did for a long time. If I want to if I know I'm worried about something and I'm tense, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm kind of, it's in my body, but I don't know what I'm actually thinking or what I'm worried about, then journaling can be a very helpful thing where nobody's going to read it. And I write out, you know, as best to my ability, what I think's going on in my head. Then I can have those thoughts out on the paper and maybe I can identify some whispered lies or some things that I have no control over at all (laughs) and help myself remember that I don't. Um, So that's, you know, one of the obvious ones for getting honest. Um, There's several other tools in the honesty chapter. And when we go on to the power life strategy, there are um, many of the ones I mentioned are spiritual in nature because many people have a, um, a spiritual kind of higher power, even if it's a Buddhist or some other, uh, you know, tradition. But it could also be um, that I know I have a power of uh, clarity and goodness inside of me, my true self, and I'm going to learn how to get in touch with that. And I might do that through... um, Meditation, in fact, or I might 
do that by saying, I let go and I let this power take care of what I'm worried about. Um, so whether it's a traditional higher power God or an internal source of goodness and strength, um, we can use that power by connecting with it. So instead of hammering my head against my husband shouldn't drink, I went to prayer. And I actually was in a group of people who would do a, a kind of a group process where we affirmed uh, a vision for one another. And they affirmed for me, you know, Gigi's marriage is happy and peaceful for the good of all. Um, so group, you know, having other people pray for us is really a, a helpful thing and praying for other people and praying for ourselves. Um, It's interesting. The um, I'll go to choices next, and then I want to come back to energy work. So the um, you know we've talked about honesty, power, now choices. Well, I mentioned the affirmations, and there's a little guideline for how to write those. You know, because it isn't um, an affirmation which is I am going to work less. <laughs> it is. I work the right amount of time and in the right way for all involved. Um, and the affirmations mostly are about ourselves. They might be um, like if I'm worried about a child, the affirmation might want to be um, and this is, would be fine. My child is healthy and happy and safe. That is, that's a wonderful affirmation or a prayer. Um, layered on top of that, though, is my worry about whether my child is happy and safe. <laughs> so it's also useful to have one about myself when I'm trying to change something outside of me. So I am peaceful and trusting that my child is safe and happy. And I'll be guided to the right actions if there are any necessary. So those are examples of choosing my desired future. And I'll tell you, this is a very powerful practice because, as I said, I had to look at the research on every technique that I offer. And uh, the research on positive thinking, the you know, before the law of attraction and all of that uh, is gangbusters uh it is true that if we really reprogram our brains to have more positive thoughts rather than negative things start looking up um one of the typical cognitive ones uh is saying well affirming saying it again and again you know, that's sort of a choice practice, but it's also a cognitive reprogramming practice. I'm going to say my affirmation over and over again. I'm going to put it on a sticky next to the sink. I'm going to keep affirming it. I'm going to look at my vision board. And you can see how if you have a negative neural pathway, Gigi, why are you so goddamn dumb? And you keep whenever you that 
thought comes in, I say, you know, I'm peaceful and successful um, for the best of all involved. Then I can reprogram that thought so that the negative one doesn't come as often as the positive one. Now, isn't that a huge relief to know that I have the power to get my mind to think about whatever I want it to? I can't change the first thought, the whispered lie, okay? But I can then notice the first thought and change what I'm thinking about afterwards. And I can use um, a prayer or a cognitive you know, repetition restructuring technique, and I could even use an energy technique. So we've talked about honesty tools, power tools, choice tools. The last section of the four in my book is really using growth practices, which is a basket for all the 50 tools to sit in. They're all growth practices. And what I mean by that is they tend to dissolve the um, the fear-based thoughts and feelings and open our hearts and, and clear ourselves to be more loving in terms of receiving love and giving love. So some of the um, the energy healing, how are we doing, Bob, on time? Oh, we got like five, ten more minutes. Okay. Great, because I wanted to talk a little bit about the energy uh, healing because I think that's a, a, a little, well, it's a newer uh, healing mode uh, in the everyday popular culture, in our everyday popular culture. Many of them are ancient. But anyway, um, so I wanted to tell the story. I had been... Um, in therapy, along with being in recovery, for a few years, a year or two, I guess. And um, I had some memories of some sexual touching come up, and I was freaked out by that. So I got a new therapist who specialized in um, sexual touching Issues and she was the right and perfect therapist for me. And um, that was a case where I prayed and asked for direction, and, and a, the right and perfect therapist came. Well, we worked together for a couple of years, and um, it was very interesting what happened. We had, you know, cleared and worked with a lot of the whispered lies and the way I would talk to myself and. Uh, we did some inner child healing, and I was uh, she she and a sexual healing group I was in. They coached me on how to um, talk to my father and ask him to hug me without touching the side of my breast, which he had, even as an adult he was still doing it. Uh, and you know, a lot of healing uh, activities that were claiming my power back instead of feeling like a victim of an unsafe world. So we're nearing the end of the um, work together. I didn't know that. But she said to me, you know, I think at this point you, what would benefit you most is to receive uh, a loving 
energy. Uh, and since, and she knew that I believed in kind of a godlike higher power. So she said to me, you know, from your God figure, which initially was a female God figure, um, she said, I'd like you to just lie down and I'm going to, and I guess she was doing a little bit of a form of Reiki, but she kind of put her hands out and I had my eyes closed. So I don't know what she was doing, but anyway, she said, just feel the love that created you, the love that is at the center of you, the love enfolding you. And she led me through this guided practice. And I actually did feel that love because so many of the things that had happened to me resulted in me feeling like I was a bad person. And this love kept seeping into me. And then I just started bawling and crying because I was feeling the one thing I had sought my entire life, which was a loving, well, it's hard to put it into words, total loving energy surrounding me and making me feel safe and happy. Now, do I feel that every minute? No. But when I get quiet, I can re- uh, recapture that that feeling of safety and love and um, and that feeling of safety and love which I think all of us want to have uh, just wanted to add this that it doesn't have to come from some abstract higher power sense or inner truth or inner self it um, can also come through other people who are healthy and don't have any agenda other than to help you grow along the lines that make sense for you. So quite often I've had people show up uh, as a higher power in skin <laughs> because they'll say to me what I just need to hear. Or one guy ran across a parking lot to tell me about a book. Well, the book was exactly the book I needed to read, and it transformed my relationship with my father. Uh, so it's really nice to know that there's um, this power that can help us out, and accessing it through energy means might look like what I described. There's also a very uh, popular uh, process called EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique. And it's what, it falls under the structure of tapping therapy. Okay, so tapping therapy, one person I know simplified it. Uh, because it's not so much the order of the tapping, uh, as much as what it is you're affirming so you say a statement that you have created to overcome one of your fears and you follow it with an affirmation. I'll illustrate in a minute. And, uh, and you do this while you're tapping alternately or in this pattern. And so it's, it's very mysterious, but it seems to kind of short circuit some of those whispered lies that keep trying to play. In my case, I was writing Chapter 5, which is about uh, the healing from the sexual abuse. And 
Oh, man, that was a tough one to write because here, you know, I had gotten permission from my family to write about it, but I just didn't know if I could be that honest on a page that was going to go out to the world. So I was pretty well stuck. And uh, I just that time came to me another energy healer. And she had a very simple one, which was, um, well, first I came up with the statement. So what was I afraid of? Let's say, so even though I'm afraid that, uh, People will read my book and think I'm neurotic, and I'll just stick with that, okay? So even though I'm afraid people will read my book and think I'm neurotic, I love and accept myself completely. And if we have a higher power belief, I love, and God loves and accepts me completely. So the way it works is you get the statement set first, and then you go, and this is multiple times, and sometimes what they'll do is they'll have you self-rate. So let's say I, this is the first time I've done this and I just realized I was really afraid about sharing all this information. So my anxiety level about this is maybe on an eight. So you rate yourself first, then you do several rounds of I love, uh, even though I'm afraid that people will think I'm neurotic because of this chapter, I love and accept myself completely and God does too. It's alternating, and I keep doing that, even though I'm afraid, blah, 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 God loves them. So I might do that three or four rounds. Then I stop, and I ask myself, well, where's my anxiety level now? And if it's not too much lower, then we do another round. Very effective. And the latest research and um Therapy technology that is not in my book because it's relatively new is EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization something. But according to my good friend who's a therapist at Stanford, she said this is the one therapy that uh, combines the best of the cognitive and the energetic. And uh, the research on it is uh, especially persuasive because they've been using it with um, veterans, but also just everyday people who have experienced trauma. And they're having very good uh, results with EMDR. So I think I've shared the four strategies and a couple of examples of the tools that come under each one. And my sincere hope is that these help people in the same ways they've helped me and, and the people that I've shared them with. So we're good, huh? Very, very good. Um, I think you should go back and rerun this video over again, too, because there was a lot of information in there. So we may need to go and and slow it down and go through that information and there's just tons of information everything in the book was in there pretty much um Gigi did a terrific job uh, we will be posting this out to youtube so we'll get more viewers um and i guess that wraps up the show Gigi, would you like to say goodbye yes Thank you so much. And um, my website is gglanger, G-I-G-I-L-A-N-G-E-R dot com. And I have a blog and, and so on on there. And um, 
and the book is in video and audio and paperback. And I have a, I've lowered the price on the paperback to $8.95. It's a personalized signed copy, but you have to only get it through gglanger.com. Okay, that's 50 ways to worry less now, which I really needed today. <laughs> so we'll see you guys for the next one. Take care and bye-bye. Okay, that was an excellent show. And I think if you apply everything that was laid out in this video, you would definitely help yourself. Uh, it goes through the changing your thought pattern, meditation, and all the things you can do once you're stable. So that's about it. Um, Appreciate anyone that subscribed. If not, you can go back and do it now. I'm at over the rainbow bob at gmail.com. That's over the rainbow bob at gmail.com. My Twitter feed is over the rain one bow. That's over the rain one bow. And you can catch me on Facebook and Instagram. And by the way, Instagram also has the video. If you couldn't get on YouTube, you go watch it on Instagram. And that's, you look up OTR-AchievingMentalHealthForReal, and it'll go to my Facebook page or my Instagram page. Have a good one, everybody. Take care.